Hi and welcome to the official Good Morning Football podcast. I'm Will Selva and here are the moments from this week so far at the breakfast table. Week 2 gave us everything we could have wanted and more. Fitzy's fashion statement, tie number 2, a record-breaking QB performance. Let's find out what the breakfast table thought about some of the biggest games in Week 2. Let's go to Dallas right now for the Giants and the Cowboys with the lead block. Lead block. Lead block. Let's go to the state of Texas, the Lone Star State. They love the tackle football down there. Eli Manning in Jerry World. Dak Prescott, you need a win, Dak. Mm -hmm. I can't lie you. This is a... This is kind of a must win. So what are you going to do? Hand it off? No, no, no. Go up top. Take a shot. Do boldly what you do at all. Tavon Austin, is he going to be a thing this year? He is on this play. Credit to Dak, to Tavon, to Scott Linehan, Nate's guy. That was like a huge breath mm. of oxygen for yeah. Cowboys fans. A vertical passing game. This was an asphyxiation for Giants fans because Eli, <laughs> I mean, he's down 10-0. Just watch. He's, he's going to be down 10-0 for a long time because Nate Solder doesn't make the block. There is a sack by the Dallas Cowboys. Taco Charlton. You can count at home if you want to. It's a good morning football home edition. 10-0 still. Eli dropping back. Guess what happens? He gets tackled by Kayvon Frazier. Don't let Kayvon get hot, guys. He will go, he'll go big, and he did for a loss of 11 yards. Next Giants possession, 10-0 score. You guessed it, Demarcus Lawrence with an Eli sack. Oh, no! Eli said, yep, this is really happening. That face was everywhere. You think you've seen enough Manning faces? That was an all-timer. Not his fault. Look out, because oh. neither is that. Damian Wilson, Taco Charlton, you name it. Nate said the Taco Charles was doing the taco bar celebration. Everybody's coming over and getting fed. You know, sometimes even when it's that on the nose, it's still entertaining. I don't care. The so is that taco. what Zeke is eating? It taco could salad? be. Oh. It could be. No, he was eating giants. Um, <laughs> more pass rush. Jason Garrett loves to clap. A lot to clap for last night. 13 nothing. Eli Saquon. Saquon, break me off something. Whoop! Ooh. Nice spin move. He had a lot of those. He also had a lot of receptions. Lots. I think the Giants' offense is just dump it to Saquon. That is not an offense. 13-0. Eli says, all right, I'm going to take matters in my own hand. I've been in this league a long time. I can run the football. Eli, get down! <laughs> oh, no. Get down. Jalen, get down now. Get, get out of here. Do it. Ah! <laughs> Jalen. Playing the role of the predator. Look out. <laughs> I was like a kindergarten cop. Oh, yeah, no, that's who should daddy and what does he do? His daddy is it's Archibald. Not He's not there last no. night. It's not a tumor. Daddy is the Cowboys. Yes, <laughs> boys have a this. Girls, no, never mind. Uh, by the way, how'd the predator movie do over the weekend? New one came out. I didn't see it. No. Yeah. I think they yeah. didn't like the Giants. Yeah, all right, 13-3. Zeke. The Giants don't want to score any points, so you have to in this game to win. So just put this thing to bed. Fourth quarter, he's running, he's eating, he's feeding. <laughs> That's the predator. Last one, put it to bed. Put it to bed! Everyone has to go to sleep because, I, honestly, this game was tedious. I'm just going to say, Giants fans, you know what I'm talking about. Those fans of the Cowboys loved it, and this was fun. For Dallas, if you're a big fan oh, of America's oh. team, it was a nice oh. little night. But, oh, my God, the big blue. Mm -hmm. They start 0-2 for the first time since all the way back in the year 2017. Cowboys 20, Giants 13. Eli, what is going on, man? Halves like that, or, or it's not going great, but you just keep, uh, you know, you keep hanging in there. You keep uh, trying to you know, buy some time, move around, and just knowing, you, hey, you're, one, you're maybe one play away from, from changing the game or hitting a big one. You, know, you can't, can't afford to have um, you know, the plays where you're going backwards in, in the sacks uh, early in the down. Um, you know, where, where you just uh, you know, put yourself uh, in a bad situation. Uh, you know, they did a good job mixing up their coverages, and, and um, you know, we just, uh, you know, nothing, nothing, I don't know if they had anything specifically, so they just, you know, did a good job uh, just getting them some, you know, getting some pressure and didn't, you know, give us a whole lot of time to get the ball down the field. 
you said it was all over Twitter last night, all over the back pages here in New York, back at the Daily News, the big debacle, if you could get a close-up on that. Mm. Six sacks by six different guys. So it wasn't just Eric Flowers, who's the low-hanging fruit. This was a system failure uh, for this offensive line. In the back of the New York Post, we have Jugger Knots. Mm-hmm. Some low-key shaded. Old Darnold yeah. here up top. But we're going to let that slide for now because we're talking NFC East. The Cowboys get the win, guys, while the other three teams in the division lose. So let's talk about the intrigue real quick about the NFC East. Is it a little bit more wide open than we thought? Yeah, no question. When you're looking at the Cowboys and them getting that dub, the Eagles are supposed to be the team to beat. But then you look at Nick Foles not playing the game that he wants to. And even that Eagles defense, some guys going over the top making plays on that D. Um, there is more intrigue. And I'm not sure if it's intrigue or maybe we overestimated how competitive this division is going to be. I mean, before the season, we would all say NFC East, one of the top uh, divisions in the NFL. Right now, they're not looking so stout. I'm talking collectively. I got uh, a lot of friends who are giant season ticket holders. Right, I woke up to an email from my friend Todd DiTrapani, a longtime giant season ticket holder. Irish guy. Yeah, Irish guy, Todd <laughs> DiTrapani. Here's the email to all of our friends from growing up. We've got the worst talent in the league. We've got guys like Curtis Riley and D.W. Webb playing important plays. We've got the worst scheme, the worst cap situation. <laughs> we had $650,000 in cap space before we gave OBJ a receiver an extension and $20 million a year. We were the worst prepared team, the worst future outlook. We have a 37-year-old quarterback and passed on Sam Darnold. And we've turned into something worse than the Browns because at least the Browns play hard every snap. And that's oh. the Giants' perspective Yikes. this morning. Ooh. What do you got, Kyle? Wow, I don't have any Dietrich friends. But <laughs> here's what I don't understand. And I mean this as a fan sitting at home. Maybe you don't care about the Giants but you like watching the late game. They have Saquon and Odell, and it's like pulling teeth. It's so boring and so slow. I guess they're, I mean, I think Saquon has 14 catches. Like, that's not an offense. It feels like, all right, we were talking about the movies thing, and it's like, sometimes you have these incredible, charismatic movie stars, but the movie is tedious. Like, when we first got together, the big movie that was coming out was Suicide Squad, yeah. all right? And it was Will Smith and Margot Robbie, the Joker. It's like a cavalcade of eye candy. I couldn't get through a scene. So I don't understand that with Coach Shermer and Saquon and Odell, why do they have no points and why is it so flat? And that's the biggest word I can describe. And it's the biggest flat as hell, no spark, no juice, flat. And I didn't see that coming. Because he's on the ground the whole time. I know it was boring last week when I was talking about the offensive line, but that is the issue. But we're talking about the division as a whole. I think it's got to still be the Eagles. We're hearing that Carson will be okay. back. In my head, I guess, if with Carson as the quarterback, they are... It's a good thing for the Eagles that none of the other three teams have really hit their stride. The Redskins looked good week one, just got crushed by the Colts, too. The Bengals crushed week like, they Nobody's hit their stride, so I feel like it's still the Eagles once Carson gets back. I'll is say that this. fair? Yeah, no, I, the Wentz thing is the next factor, for yeah. sure. I'll say this. When it comes to the Giants, they got to take a page out of the Atlanta Falcons offense this past weekend. Instead of forcing the ball to Julio, they utilized Julio in different situations. The decoy seemed like everybody else started to make plays. Calvin Ridley, right? Austin Hooper, all these different players that are on that squad. So I feel like when it comes to the Giants, they're going to have to get Evan Ingram involved, Sterling Shepard involved. You can't go out there and have Saquon Barkley, who is a rookie, your leading rusher and your leading receiver, and try to force the ball to Odell when he's getting less than 50 yards. Mm-hmm. they got to rotate it and get some of these other guys involved, or else this is going to be consistent through the rest of the Long season. Long week in New York if you're a New York sports radio listener or a Giants fan because yeah. the fan base is not happy. There's a rematch of last season's AFC Championship game yesterday. Nate, let's go to Foxy, or to Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville. This one was in Jacksonville, and it was hot. So shout out to everybody that worked the game. They were in the heat. 
8-0 versus the Jags. And there is Leonard Fournette right there. He would not play with that hamstring. Blake Bortles without Leonard Fournette. Contrary to your belief, you think that Leonard Fournette is the reason why they're successful. Blake Bortles plays well without Leonard Fournette. And here he is, continue to play well. Check it out. <laughs> going up over that top. And Keelan Co- Oh, my goodness. That was nasty. One of the best catches of the season thus far could end up being catch of the year. Keelan Cole, I see you. Enjoy your 15 minutes of fame and turn it into 16 weeks of playing ball. All right, that was a play. So what do you do when a guy makes a play like that for you? Let's go up top. Uh, That's nasty right there. You reward your guy. He flips the ball up to the stands. The crowd is going crazy. Keelan Cole making play after play after play. That right there, 24-yard touchdown. Jaguars lead 14-0. 14-3 at this point. They're going to keep it going. Mm. How about this? Austin Safarian Jeek is friend of the show. We love it that you're in the league making plays. Keep doing your thing. Came up big for his guy, Blake Bortles. They're loving it there on the sideline. All right, pass protection. If we're showing this, Brady was getting hit. That was Calais Campbell. And that was Yannick Ngakwe. All right, there's Malik Jackson. Brady found himself on the ground getting hit, and that's how you beat him. How do you beat a dynasty? Just like they beat up Jordan in the 90s, the Pistons came and they put their elbow in the middle of his chest, and that's what they did to Tom Brady. He's yelling, do your job. Guys weren't doing their job. You know who was doing their job? The Jacksonville Jaguars. Duval! But right here, they didn't do it right there. Deron Harmon would get that fumble recovery after Moncrief tries to make a slant slant play, go to the house. Patriots, they pick up the ball on the 48. Yeah, are you saying Calais Campbell is Rick Mahorn? That's exactly what it is. I love it. it. I, like I'm it. not mad at He's it. He's just as big. All right, Chris Hogan, always open. Seven-yard touchdown. Patriots, they'll make it a game now. 24-10 to 10 at this point. Okay. Tom and Hogan loving it. Four touchdowns quarter. for Hogan. Trailing 24-13. Shout out to Hogan getting two tuggies. But there it is. How about Dante Fowler tugging at that ball and Dante Fowler recovering that ball? Brandon Gramden. Oh, my goodness. Just play after right. play after play. In order to be Brady, we say it all the time, you got to hit him and you got to get after the ball. And that's exactly what they did. Next Patriots possession. Check out this play right here. James White trying to make a play. Initially, it would be called a first down. Then Doug Murrow says, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. I know we tackle better than this. We practice it all the time. And they would review it and they would say that he was just short. Do you know how bold it is to review that call? How about Potentially lose a that? timeout? That's... And here we go. Blake Bortles. <laughs> Everything was bold. Who are you looking for? D.D. Westbrook looking like Russell Westbrook. Wide open. On mm. a fast break. Mm. And he makes one guy miss. Great Skates block. up the sideline. Looks like Brian Westbrook. Hey, D.D. I see you. He looks Michael like Brian Westbrook. Westbrook. How about that? <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. All the way around in the Jags. They are loving it. How about the Jacksonville Jaguars? The second win against the Patriots in franchise history. Blake Bortles played amazing. TJ Yeldon and replace of Fournette played well. Jags are 2 0. They win 31 20. And Mike Giardi caught up with one of our favorite players in the entire world, Telvin Smith. Miles Jackson, it's the biggest game he's ever played, a revenge game. What does it feel like to come out on top? It feels good. This, this, I, I just said it to our guys. This is a hard work, dedication, and love will get you. I tell you, we came out here in battle. We started fast and finished faster. How important was that? Obviously, it started creeping back into the game. It's 24-13, and then Dante makes the strip sack, and I yeah. know you guys didn't convert off that, yeah. but to slow their mo. We battle tested, and, 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 and when we get our best against the wall like that, we got enough players that somebody gonna step up and make a play. And that's what happened. We knew it was gonna happen. We just had to keep playing. And man, we, we knew they was gonna try and make a run. They, we playing against one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game. But I'm telling you, when we lock in and we play, you see what happened. Was that the lesson learned from the AFC title game? I'm telling you, we say we got experience from it. We say we're a better team. Now we just show on that. Talk to me a little bit about Blake Bortles, who, again, nationally very much maligned. 
took you to the AFC title game last year with the help of the defense. And then today, 350 plus, four touchdowns. I said it all, I, I said it at the beginning of the week. That's my quarterback. And we stand on him, we stand behind him. A great player. It, it don't matter in big time games, big time players step up. And I tell you, that's why that guy's our quarterback. We love him. Calvin Smith. Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> They're now 2-0 to start the season for the first time since 2006. Dante Fowler with that strip sack. Talvin mm -hmm. Smith was a big part in shutting down Rob Gronkowski. Are we looking at the most impressive team in the AFC, gentlemen? I would say so. I would say so. You know, we had this conversation last week about these guys playing the Patriots and what are they going to do last year, AFC Championship game, them taking their foot off the pedal. And they didn't do that this game. And when I was on Twitter this past weekend, everybody was saying, listen, no Fournette. These guys are going to have a chance. These are the Pats. And as good as the Jags were, they're still the little brother in the AFC. And they came out and they were much more than that. They played like the big brother. They swung first. And just like Telvin Smith said, they started fast and they started fast and finished faster. Matt Hamilton, he sent me a note earlier in the show. He said the Jags are averaging seven yards per carry out of the gun. That's including Blake Bortles when he does his zone repulls. Now you expect when Leonard Fournette is back there, he gets behind yeah. center right. and he hands the ball off. They average only 3.2 yards when they're doing that. Putting them in that shotgun, that little pistol, and him being able to look at the defense, makes a either hand it, it makes a huge difference. Yep. And when you look at him back there, this isn't Blake Bortles playing high height and they barely got the win. He was making some throws out there. Me and Hamilton were texting each other during the game and I was like, did you just see that? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I just saw that. Just like I said last year, you guys got to expect quarterbacks in this league, if they study the game and they want to improve, that they're going to get better. You can't judge Blake Bortles about what he did two years ago. Blake Bortles right now is a different quarterback. Give him a contract extension. What a vote of like, confidence you get. He's playing like That's one of the better huge. quarterbacks in the right. league, right? Um, but the best quarterback in the league is playing in Kansas City. My pick is the Chiefs. Mm. I think they're 2-0. and And in today's game, I think offense overcomes uh, a weak defense. And obviously the Chiefs defense has been horrendous. But... They win games. And if you're going to score, 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 and with these rules where you can't touch the quarterback, you can't touch the receiver, and you have the greatest play caller in the AFC and Andy mm. Reid, I'm going with the Chiefs. Until they show any vulnerability on offense, how can you beat them when they can't be stopped? I go with Kansas City. I don't know if it's the most impressive team in the AFC or not. I don't care. I want to give credit to the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins are off to a start. They beat the Titans in the weirdest week one game of all time. And then they go at the Jets for the coronation of Sam Darnold. The New York Papers had Darnold in Revolutionary War gear. And yes, they said, Samilton? Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, Adam Gase was Aaron Burr. They went and beat him. And here is the crazy stat. Brian Tannehill, say what you want about him. I don't care. Do you know in his last 10 starts, Talk about he is it. 9 and 1 in his last 10 starts? That's, awesome. That's a very sneaky, dark thing that no one notices. 9 and 1 in his last 10 starts. And I think Adam Gase has the thing here. I'm just saying, the New England's bleeding. We've seen him bleed before. I'm very impressed with Miami Dolphins as a sleeper who's about to wake up. Do you mm. think Nate will ever see Hamilton? Nate, will you please go see Hamilton, the Broadway show, not so, the researcher, so not the producer. So go see it. I'm going to go see it. <laughs> the Jags and Chiefs, the class of the AFC so far, so I agree with KB and Shrags. Now, while there was plenty of action on the field this week, there was also plenty of drama off of it, from a surprising yet not surprising trade to a certain Philly QB making his return. This week had the breakfast table buzzing. All right, gents, before Carson Wentz suffered his torn ACL against the Rams back in week 14 of last season, he was one of the NFL's best quarterbacks on his way to possibly securing an MVP. So how do we feel about Wentz picking up where he left off after missing the first two weeks of this year? I believe there's unrealistic expectations for us to say that he's going to pick up where he left off last okay. year. He was on fire, running away with the MVP award, lighting up this league. And the reason he did that because, one, he has a high IQ. He can throw it with the best of them but one of his more underrated 
pieces of his game is the fact that he could run just as good as Russell Wilson, just as good as Deshaun Watson, just as good as, quite frankly, some of the best running quarterbacks of all time. Um, doing stuff like this isn't normal, but we saw this week in and week out. So my question that I ask myself and that I will be asking myself as I watch Carson Wentz throughout this game is, is that knee going to remind him of who he was or who he can't be? I tore my ACL. And the first season after tearing my ACL, I thought about two things. There were times where I thought to myself, I could be the same guy. I can go out there, I can run fast, I can jump, I can be explosive. They can't stop me. Mm -hmm. But then also find myself in games where I'm reminding myself of who I can't be. I'm, I'm questioning, Nate, you shouldn't make that move. Wait, before you try to hurdle that guy, just think about it. Your knee might, might hurt. Or, or you know what? You should go out of bounds instead of trying to run him over. You're not the same guy you used to be. So I'm going to be watching him intently. What's going on behind that face mask and the decisions where there's a first down and he can go for it. Is he going to try to get those extra yards like he used to? Like he ended up hurting his a ACL in that uh, end zone when he was trying to rush for that touchdown. So that is for me. Like oftentimes say Carson Wentz is going to have to save himself from himself. Will he do that or will he be a completely different quarterback? Did we see that with Mariota last year? Or are we seeing mm. that with Deshaun Watson to start this season? A little of that. What are you hesitation. seeing behind their head yeah. or helmets? It's a little hesitation because it, it's mind, but it's also body. Sometimes the body can trick mm -hmm. the mind. That's interesting. Uh, I think that's going to be fascinating to watch how fearless he is because that's what made him what he was last yeah. season. I do want to take a moment to just remember how good he was. Mm -hmm. This guy was mm -hmm. the best quarterback in all of football last year, and it wasn't just because of these great scrambles. He had a huge arm. He won big games. Yeah. He went into tough buildings and won, and they were crushing teams. The Eagles were doing things to teams that no one else in the league were. So with this, you know, when they might be awesome when he gets back. Could and be, yeah. and I, I think this Eagles team is hoping for that because Foles was doing the job and he did the job for sure in yeah. January last year. But to me, I'm going to take the optimistic side on this. And I think the Eagles become one of the best teams in the NFC mm. with the addition of Carson. Overnight. I think he is a huge, huge upgrade from Nick Foles. And because they waited to put him in, I think they're comfortable with what he's doing physically. I think now the Eagles, they get going. Mm. I think they bought a ton of credibility when he didn't start the opener. That, that spoke volumes to me mm. because the Eagles have run a master class on how to deal with this from the get-go, from the getting him off the field to not trading foals, to not rushing him back. And the answer to the other question, there's some people saying, well, if they would have beaten Tampa, uh, they would have still rested. I don't think so because Nick Foles was fine in that game. They lost because of the defense. Carson Wentz, I think, will be excellent right from the start because it has been enough time. If he was out there for the opener, I've said on the show, I was going to be terrified. I thought he was going to be out there because it's the opener and let's get him. They waited until week three. I think he will be smarter. I don't think he's going to be diving into tacklers in the end zone, but he'll move. He'll move. They would not put him out there. This Eagles team as an organization. They don't have to. Um, they don't have to, Peter, unless he's great. Not fine, real MVP level Wentz. I think he's going to be fantastic. Who's a better game, him or Andrew Luck? I think Wentz. I think Wentz is a better player. I do. Plus, I think I like the Eagles D to come back this week. Meanwhile, as first reported by our own NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport, the Patriots acquired Josh Gordon from the Browns. Here's what they got back. Uh, a conditional fifth-round pick next year. Gordon, we know, 2013, his ceiling, leading the NFL in receiving. But he has played in just 11 games since. He's missed like 24 over the last two years. Nate, what was your reaction when that news came across? I was surprised. I was shocked. Um, you know, thinking about Josh, I I've been very vocal in my support for Josh um, coming back, getting his mind right, getting his life together, and still him, still in support of him uh, being a dominant wide receiver in this league. So I was happy for Josh. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, I was happy yet sad for the Browns. Happy that they finally had the guts to sever a relationship that was somewhat toxic. And I was also saddened by the fact that it seems like 
in relationship terms, they were in this relationship and we all were watching this from a distance saying, this isn't working out. And they helped their spouse get back on their feet. Yeah. You know what, I'm gonna help you get a job. I'm gonna clean you up and you're gonna be okay. Even when everybody yeah. says, I should break up with you, I'm gonna stick by your side. And right when that person gets everything together, they look good, get a haircut, got a job, and they're walking around, everybody's saying, wow, look at Josh. They leave, mm -hmm. and they're dating somebody mm -hmm. who is bigger, and they're better, and they're more handsome, and they got it. He's in a better relationship. Yeah. Let's just be honest about this. Josh Gordon being with the Patriots is great for Josh Gordon, and it's great for the Patriots. Now, expectations, I expect Josh to come in and seamlessly fit in and follow the rules and regulations. The unwritten rules of being a Patriot, the written rules of being a Patriot. And if he does that, if he does that, and I know him to be the high football IQ individual that he is, he will have a season that some will compare, maybe not statistically, but some will compare to when Randy Moss went to the Patriots. Yes, I'm saying it right now. That's how good Josh Gordon and Tom Brady can be. I've, I got to be sensitive here because these are, these are substance abuse issues he's yes. had in the past. It's not like he's a knucklehead who gets traffic uh, you know, violations. This yeah. is actual real-life stuff. I will say this. The Browns, over four seasons, he only played in 11 games because he couldn't get on the field, and the Browns did everything they possibly could to get him right. They gave him the support system. They gave him outside help. They gave him the time to find himself. And on Friday night, he went home after the facility and he was completely healthy and he showed up Saturday with a hamstring injury because he hurt himself shooting a promotional video for what I believe was an Instagram video. Mm. And the Browns said, enough is enough. We, you okay. can't hurt yourself that's doing cool. promotional videos mm -hmm. yeah. for, for stuff that's not football related. That's not. So when I hear that stuff, yeah. I don't know if we're talking Randy Moss or if we're talking Belichick saying, well, what the hell? I might as well take a risk. But you know what? He's got this thin a water. He, he's got a very short rope. With, that stuff doesn't fly in New England. For so, sure. It's kind of like scared straight or, you know, sure, something yeah. like that. Like, sure. this is it's kind of like your last shot. I yeah. feel like I don't think Belichick and Brady are going to give him the exact soft, nurturing love yeah. of, hey, here we go. I, I don't see that. I see this on Josh Gordon, and he's got to be a big boy, and he's got to be able to find a way to stay on the field. See the get right or get gone. I think well, so. Because I mean, you can be in that relationship that wasn't working for you, but if you carry that baggage into the new relationship, mm -hmm. as good as that partner is, you're still going to be toxic, toxic because you haven't dealt with that yourself. Yeah. I don't think Bill Belichick... I don't know him personally, but has that nurturing, let's figure things out for you mentality. It seems more of, not, I mean, I'm going to use the word desperation loosely here, for the Patriots who need wide receiver help. You told me they made nearly 30 transactions Since March. this offseason mm -hmm. to find that wide receiver after getting rid of a running back who acts as a wide receiver in Deion Lewis and Danny Amendola without Julian Edelman. I think it's a low-risk thing for them because if he doesn't work out in two weeks, he's out the door. High I've reward, seen it though. before. Lower is high reward. Highest reward. But yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that they just played Jacksonville had a hard time scoring and said, so what the heck? Let's try it. I just also think that looking on blogs and Twitter and everything, the, like the most convenient thing to do right now is you, you see the Patriots got somebody like this and you immediately bring up your Corey Dillon references and your Albert Hainsworth or Osho Cinco, anything like that might be, guys who had a quote-unquote baggage. This is 100% different than that. All right, those guys, Josh Gordon is not someone who beefed with his head coach or didn't have, wasn't in shape for conditioning. Right. It's a whole different set of things. So it bothers me when I see that because this is a completely different animal to manage or not manage and get rid of. I will We'll say this on the football side of things. I believe this is going to work. Mm. I do because I can't speak to his demons or what he needs to repair them or beat them, but I will speak to the football of this. Josh Gordon in his career has played with Jason Campbell, Brandon Whedon, Johnny Manziel, Deshaun Kaiser, Thad Lewis. Lewis, and now he's going to Tom Brady, the best to ever play. Mm. So 
if good football and health and success and acceptance is something that can make him thrive, mm. he's going to take off. He's never it. had a situation for success in his career Stability. like this. Ability, career, position. So if it's professional success and acceptance and thriving is something that gets his head clear, watch out. Talk about it. Wentz's return will certainly make a difference. He just needs some healthy targets. Now, they say you should never stop learning. And here on GMFB, we always adhere to that rule. Let's find out what the gang learned after all the action from week two. I'm going to give a shout out to one of the coaches who ended up on the losing end of a game on Sunday, but is winning in the end. The Panthers were on the road. They were down their starting tight end, three offensive linemen. They played valiantly. They lost to the Falcons. But there was Ron Rivera on Monday, not hanging his head, not moaning, not cowering in a corner. Instead, Ron Rivera was focused on making a difference. I thought this was awesome, and this is what I learned. During his press conference after the loss, Rivera debuted a new shirt. You know, he loves all these shirts. Mm -hmm. And it expressed the organization's desire to help those affected by Hurricane Florence in any way it can. The shirt features a lockup of North Carolina and South Carolina with the message, we share more than a state line. Mm. The tagline is really the border between the two states. The shirt emphasizes the message that the two Carolinas are more than just neighboring states. The Panthers, they partnered with Visit North Carolina and Discover South Carolina in short order to show their support for the recovery efforts with the t-shirt. 100% of the proceeds, wow. if you buy it on panthers.com, go to the two states hurricane relief funds. So Rivera could have been miserable. He could have been sitting around moaning about the way the defense played. He wasn't. Instead, he mm. was upbeat, turned the page. He said there's a lot more going on in this area. Help support the cause. So panthers.com, Go do it 100%, not 10%, 100% goes to hurricane relief efforts down there in the Carolinas. Ron Rivera, class act all the way, and I learned this week, he just gets it. Ron Rivera, good dude. That's good stuff, 100%, man. 100%, and then it's also yeah. what the Red Cross is doing, and that continues, by the way, 90999, the word Florence, text that, and it helps relieve those people that are still dealing with that right now. 100%, and we, we love Ron Rivera because he wears the shirts, and we kind of get a joke out of it, and we even use it on our show, but to use this platform um, in a moment where we collectively as a country needed to shed light. Like, I love Ron for that, man. Shout out to Rivera, one He's of the best. He's not a big spotlight guy. He is one of the best. Peter, you've gotten to know him a little bit. You've worked with him, you met with him several times. For people at home watching who maybe aren't tuned into the Carolina Panthers, what's Ron Rivera made of? It's positivity. Think about what this team has gone through. They have a new owner this year. They've yeah. already had several injuries with Greg Olson and the offensive line going down. Um, and now you deal with a hurricane where a lot of their lives personally are affected. That was a tough trip to Atlanta. They put it behind them. They said, we got to focus on football. But by the time they got to the facility on Monday, Rivera was already wearing that shirt, mm -hmm. trying to promote awareness, saying this is where you can come with your funds and help these guys. I love it. The football, and look, we talk about football X's and O's all the time. It's cool to talk about what's going on off the field. Ron Rivera, one of those guys, straight and narrow. Love it. Panthers.com, still Panthers available. Panthers.com, still available. Buy the t-shirt. 100% donation. Make a difference. Love that story. I was not aware of that going awesome. on. So can't wait to go to Panthers.com and get my t-shirt. And something I talked about all last week was the Falcons red zone. It's well documented, Matt Ryan's issues. Let's just take it back. A recent sample back to the divisional round in the playoffs. It was Falcons and Eagles. And you see Matt Ryan, and he's just sort of trying to get the ball to his boy Julio, and it doesn't work out. He's sort of allergic to what's going on. This is something that plagued them last year that he didn't really have the year before in 2016 when he had his MVP season. So I said, you know what you need to do? You need to pick up a prescription. We'll call it in for you here from the GMFB Pharmacy for Red Zona Drill, a pressure reliever, a touchdown producer. 
And I thought, you know, maybe it'll take a while to kick in because that Panthers pass defense is no joke. Lo and behold, I learned that Matt Ryan watches our show and he listens to his doctor because here's what he did. He took it to the red zone, guys. He was a perfect Sterling four of four. He ran it in twice <laughs> over Dantari Poe. Like an OG. I love seeing that. He said, I feel great. And he did it again, connecting not to Julio Jones, heavily targeted, but I have this weird feeling that I think that I'm learning that their best option in the red zone is to maybe not try forcing it to their dominant wide receiver. It's sort of a mismatch. It doesn't really make sense in my head. But he hit eight different receivers in this game. That reminds me of the 13 different receivers that he hit in the end zone, four touchdowns all of that 2016 season. Is there something to this? I turn over to my 11-year NFL veteran wide receiver. Yeah. Is there something to maybe not forcing the ball to Julio in the red zone? Yeah, in that season you're talking about, he also won the MVP and proved to be one of the best quarterbacks and, and running the best offense. But that's it, though. You can try to feed your superstar, even force feed your superstar. Yeah. But once you get to the red zone, that's when you have to have the discernment because if you're a defense and you're backed up in your own territory you have to expect that a team is going to feed their superstar now if you know that offensively right it's playing chess and anticipating their move you drop back you just read the defense and oftentimes they're going to have one extra guy over the top of Julio that way you can deliver the ball beautifully to all these other receivers and that's what he did this past weekend could I be right guys like Austin Hooper emerging running it in Tevin Coleman looked awesome Edo. Ridley you're yeah. going to need them to because Devontae Freeman's out for the short term and you lose Keanu Neal and you lose yeah. Deion Jones Matt Ryan needs to be even better than he was last year. I like that he lowers his shoulder when he runs. Red zone drill, zero slide effects. Kyle, you're up. And I'm so excited because I'm going to talk about something I love. I learned this weekend something I thought, but now I know for sure, and I love ties. I love NFL ties. People think they're weird. They don't know how to act. It's a strange awkwardness when ties happen. There's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of wins and losses in my lifetime. I love the ties, guys. I love the fact that it puts you in these hellacious playoff scenarios. I love that <laughs> the body language of the players is weird. The commentators don't know what to say. The fans don't know what to tweet. Ties are hot right now. We had a tie week one. We had a tie week two. I think they are so bizarre. As a fan, you say, well, we didn't lose, but yet we didn't win. It's this strange sort of middle land in between wins and losses that gets me so excited because I'm here for the weird, if you guys know me. And it's the 21st tie of my lifetime, 21 ties in my lifetime for the NFL. You might ask, Kyle, do you have a favorite all-time NFL tie? And boy, is the answer yes. <laughs> Falcons-Steelers, wow. 2002. Tommy Maddox, talk Your about classic it. Tommy Maddox versus Michael Vick matchup. Guys, in the overtime of this game, there were two blocked field goals. Mm. And on the very last play of the game, when you need to complete a Hail Mary to break the tie, this happened. It's time for one Hail Mary. There's one second on the clock. Atlanta has five men deep, including Brian Fennerin. Maddox lets it fly all the way downfield, and it was caught. It's caught on the one. There's no time. The game's over. Oh, my gosh. Plexico Burris caught it. His body was in the end zone, Sam. The ball wasn't. Oh, this is unbelievable. So Plaxico doesn't know what to do. Randall L. doesn't know what to do. Keith Brooking is lost. Brian Finneran out there playing defense doesn't know what to do. You love it. It's glorious. <laughs> and so is the ultimate tie soundbite in 2008 when uh. Donovan McNabb tied the quote to end all quotes. What did Donovan McNabb have to say? Well, I've never, I've never been a part of a tie. I uh, never even knew that that was in the rule book. Um, but again, you know, it's part of the rules and we have to go with it. So, um, you know, I was looking forward to the next opportunity getting out there and, and trying to drive to, to, to win the game. But um, unfortunately, uh, with the rules, 
you know, we settle with a tie. Guys, that's weird. Mount Carmel High School, Syracuse. He knows everything about football and yeah. didn't know there were ties. This is what I'm talking about. And their ties are all over this glorious country. Guys, yeah. you remember when the Major League Baseball All-Star game had to be t- stopped in a tie? Bud Selig says, we're out of pitchers. Just, Bud, I'm talking to you. You stopped the All-Star game in a tie. Earlier this year, Jeopardy! had the first tie in its history. They have never had one before. The final category was European Islands. They had to have a showdown at Mykonos. the end. Because the exact dollar amount was tied. 1969 Oscars. <laughs> the Goats, Funny Girl versus The Lion in Winter was a tie. Hepburn, Streisand, they had the exact same number of votes. It blew people's minds. I celebrate all ties. Bo. Oh. Bolo. Okay. Detmer. Streets. Law. Okay. When I order food, I like pad. If I have a headache, I take linol. I am amused by shady politicians with to the mob. I cried during oh. Tannic. If I'm defending the Death Star, I like fighters. I don't drink water on vacation to avoid Foyd fever. My favorite March Madness legend is us, Edney. <laughs> if I want home makeover shows with a heart, I like Pennington. And I think the Jaguars are going to tie this weekend because they have never tied what? in their history. If at first you don't succeed, tie, tie, tie again. again. And when they do, I'm going to tie one on. Vote for tie! Yes! That's it. I love nice, ties. Man. I'm Get glad it, you brought up the Jags there at the end. That leads me into mine. So, Drake once said that sports and music is so synonymous. So, what I learned is that the Jags are the J. Cole of football. And watching Keelan Cole ball out had the whole football world wondering, who that? Who that? Like J. Cole. Which got me thinking, K. Cole, J. Cole. So, I'm going to use his albums and songs to describe the Jags. All right, so here we go. Last season, that was just a warm-up. But this year, we're going to see this baby cat turn into grown Simba. After Hearns, Robinson going, Lee going down, I knew it was going to be a cold summer. Now, count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. They started off 2-0, conquering the jungle like it's the return of Simba. But still, there's so many questions. Is Blake Bortles going to rise and shine? Or is he going to be another sideline story? Okay, he, he played great so far. Uh, listen, I got to tell you, plus nobody's perfect, and we're all born sinners. <laughs> and, how about, and how about the other side of the ball? Is the team going to be in trouble because they spent more money on that D? Listen, they were one of the best fantasy defenses. Ask Kay. Uh-huh. She knows. She knows. Now, now will Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin work out? Is it the real thing, or is it just a one-year plan? No, man. It's more than that. Some say, oh, I don't like all that adolescent trash talk. So what? No role models in there here right now. Well, some role models I could think of. Anyways, listen, I actually tried to motivate my friend, my next-door neighbor. I tried to convince him that the Super Bowl is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah. playing in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think my neighbors think I'm selling hope. But listen, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter what you think. I'm, I'm trying to sell you on what's going on with this team. And for everyone out there that's saying this is the old, same old Jaguars team, Hello, it's a tale of two different cities. cities. Listen, and they will exercise the mistakes of past Jags teams. Now listen, KLD, it might mean kill our demons for this team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But for right now, KLD stands for Kings of Duval. So that right there is my Keiko Jayco Jags homage to one of the best hip-hop artists in the game. Date with the references. But also, I'm glad Shrake shed light on the Panthers' hurricane relief efforts. So if there's anything you can do, we encourage you to contribute. Players like Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown will always get the spotlight, but the league is full of personalities who don't usually get the love they deserve. 
That's where Good Morning Football comes in again. Let's find out the stories we should have been paying attention to with this week's underappreciated storylines. We'd like to shine some light and spotlight a few players and storylines around the league, whether it's a coach, whether it's a system, whether it's a single play that isn't get, getting enough love around the league. We call them our underappreciated storylines. We've been doing this segment since the start of our show two years ago, and it's one of our faves. It is, it is, and I'll start this thing off. All right, so, all right, I was once told that chance is a word void of sense. Nothing can exist without a cause. My underappreciated storyline is the New England Patriots Cleveland Browns trade of Josh Gordon. Now, this isn't a rant on how a troubled young man needs the Patriots more than they need him, nor is this a way for me to dry snitch on athletes and remind the world of their past indiscretions. Um, this trade between the Browns and the Pats reminds me that life is all about chances. What chances are you willing to take to chase your dreams? Uh, just like the dream of playing an NFL, play, playing an NFL, just like all these young players right now in the league. Now, once you reach that goal, like Josh Gordon, like myself, all the guys that are in the league right now, would you take a chance on losing it because of your poor choices? In Josh Gordon's case, we've seen his dream turn into a nightmare. Um, last year, he was incredibly courageous when he came out and he spoke on his issues. Instead of running away from opposing defenders, he was running away from his own demons. And just when we were sure it was another life derailed, the Browns gave him chance after chance after chance, like a spouse who's blind in love with someone who just isn't right for them. You fast forward to this week. The Browns took a chance on severing the relationship. The Pats took a chance on a player who some say doesn't necessarily fit the mold of the Patriot way. Some fans, they love him. Some fans, they think he had too many chances, which may be true, but I'm in support of the Browns letting go and the Pats making room. The point I'm trying to make is that Nothing happens by chance. So we all should take a chance on still being Gordon fans. Plus, Tom will have three stud pass catchers. Julian Edelman when he gets back, and of course, Gronkowski and the newly acquired Flash, pumping fear into every defensive coordinator who will have that big three on their mind, just like Chance, the rapper. Oh, man. You're pulling for him, aren't you? Yeah, I'm pulling for him, man. I am too. I've been pulling for him for a while. I know you have. You've been years ahead of this, name. Yeah, and I, I've been a little scorned at times, and I'm that guy. I'm describing myself. I'm just like mm. the Browns. I'm in that relationship, and I've been hurt, but I keep saying, no, 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 he's, he's good for us. He's good for the league, and I want him to play well, and I do feel like this is the best fit for him. And if he has his mind right, if he has his emotions in check, along with his physical, he'll be, he'll be a perfect fit. I'm pulling for him, too. I think we all are. Um, Minor appreciate is the biggest story in the NFL through the first two weeks is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And there's been so much attention and so much adulation about their 35-year-old quarterback that my underappreciated is their 31-year-old wide receiver, Deshaun Jackson. Guys, 40 years from now, when we're talking to our kids or our grandkids about what it was like back in this era, it's going to be Larry Fitzgerald, it's going to be Antonio Brown, even guys like T.O. and Randy, who Deshaun Jackson also played with. Deshaun Jackson should be remembered, and I think he will be remembered, if I have anything to say about it, because what I've realized this week, Deshaun Jackson is the big play GOAT, the greatest of all time, and let me tell you, I got the numbers to back it up. He now is tied with Jerry Rice for the most 60-plus yard touchdowns since 1970. Wow. 23, more than Hester, more than Metcalf, more than our guy Steve, way more than Randy Moss, Bananas. who was the greatest deep threat of all time. 
Deshaun Jackson is the greatest big play guy of all time because he does it on returns, he's done it on reverses, and now he's doing it at 31 years old as an afterthought because we're all freaking out on Fitzpatrick. The fact that Deshaun is still doing this is insane. And I thought, since we've been seeing this this season, and he has all these 23 60-plus yard touchdowns, what does the very first one look like? Let's go back to yes. a young Deshaun who I thought, man, I know this guy is fast, but he is so skinny. So, so small. How is he going to make this last? He, was, he looked like he was 120 pounds Second coming out of pick. Cal. But sure enough, 2008, week five, it is Eagles-Redskins. And after a Brian Westbrook <laughs> touchdown, the Redskins punt, and that kid out of Cal does this. The punt is short. Jackson takes it at the 32, looks for running room, reverses his field, 45-40, 35-30, he's going to go. Easily. Nobody touched them. Nobody touched them. Just like that, the Eagles lead 14 to nothing. The great Mel Reese with the call. Nobody even laid a hand on him. Nate's laughing. He was so slight that it was like the pads were about like a kid wearing shoulder pads. Well, that was the first of 23 60-plus yard plays. Guys, if you look at Deshaun Jackson as a receiver, I don't think he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's 50th all-time in yards. He's 97th in receptions. Mm -hmm. But as far as a pure big play guy, I've never seen anybody better. And as a receiver, you know, Marvin Harrison got in a nice little gig. He's in Peyton Manning. He's in a dome. He can just ride that his whole career. Deshaun's been out there with Foles, Vic, Kevin Cobb, Matt Barkley, RG3, Colt McCoy, and he does it everywhere he goes. In closing, I think it is perfect that Deshaun Jackson, of all people, invoked NBA Jam this week. Because has there ever been anybody who's been heating up? You know, it always goes in three. You make the first three, he's heating up, he's on fire. Well, in Philadelphia, he was Jeff Hornacek. He's heating up. In Washington, he was Tom Gugliotta. And then in Florida, now he is the great Scott Skiles. He's on fire. And if you don't think Deshaun Jackson is the greatest big play of all time, I say, Get that out of here! <laughs> D-Jax, respect, 31 years old, still blowing the top off. I love it. Boom shakalaka. That's right, go. Adams. Good job, guys. Love those love underappreciated storylines. Week two was Mercury was in retrograde. Absolutely, fully. The kicking woes across the NFL landscape were crazy. They were missed field goals to cost games and create ties. One-point games left and right. And then we had the extra point drama mm -hmm. as well. And extra points with all this missed field goals, uh, there was one team that was like, we don't have a kicker and we don't need a kicker. And that is my underappreciated storyline for week two. It is the fact that the L.A. Rams lost Greg Zerline in pregame because he had a bit of a groin injury. Yeah. These are all the woes here. And they still they got to convert. Well, I wish we could stop on this and let me talk for a second. But listen, what you're seeing here are these two-point conversions mm -hmm. that they went for every time. They just went for two and went for two and <laughs> went for two. And guess Pretty what? Awesome. They scored every time. You had Gurley, Gurley, and Malcolm Brown. Guys, Thanks. there were eight missed extra points so far this season. I'm D did McVay stumble upon something? Go yet? on. Listen. Talk about it. If you go for two every time yeah. and hit two out of three, that's still an extra point. And yeah. let's not pretend that extra points are given. Like, there's been eight missed ones this season. So if you go and you hit 50% of them mm -hmm. even, that's still better odds. It just seems to me, could this be a precedent that I'd like to see more? So. People just going... For two, they did it without Greg Zerline, and they won the game. Other teams lost their game. So Sean McVay put out this new book. Actually, I don't know if you guys saw. McVay's got a book already. I love it. He Can't does. Read it. Mm -hmm. It's called "Sell It Like Sean." Oh, nice. Kind of like Sirhan, but how to learn the McVay way. And I think that uh, you should start hitting extra points. 
because we've seen two ties, guys, two games decided by one point in two weeks. That's my understanding. You know what's funny about that is we did the Los Angeles Rams preseason games, and they were going for two, and we were like, why are these guys yeah. going for two so much? It's almost like Sean McVay knew going into the season we're going to be one of those aggressive teams. The NFL wanted it, Kay. They, when they pushed back these extra yeah. points, they wanted to make that decision more because it's more fun to see the yeah. two-point yeah. conversion. How it's crazy so- it is to see all of those teams just, like, losing, like, their guts or the bottom, like, their hearts in the bottom of their stomachs yeah. all week with these kicking situations. And the Rams didn't even sweat it. They were, they were like, okay, we lose Greg Zerline. We're going to just go for two over time, and it works out. And even if it doesn't work out, you might come out on top. Yeah, it's almost like the point after touchdown is your overappreciated storyline. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> yeah. over, but I, those other teams are probably like, look, we don't have Gurley, we don't have Goff. It ain't so easy for us. However, there's always a story you'll see about there's some high school coach who always yep. goes for two, never, never punts, punts ever. Yep. That's the next yeah. level is never, and they always put up 96 points when 96 to 85 yep. or something like that. I would love to see it because moving the PATs back made it a lot harder, and we're seeing a lot of a miss. When they say and they're going for two, and the coach holds so up the exciting. two, it's so exciting. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean, the, the two fingers. Like, like, oh, here we go. Quarterback stay always, on the field, yeah. and they got they, they say stay, and they always have some cool package of plays yeah, for the wild. two point first. I mean, we need more of them. I just yeah. feel like it. We all sort of took it for granted, and it was underappreciated extra points in general they're sort of automatic yeah yeah it's an automatic look we saw the browns they're yeah. not automatic so you might as well you know put them go all in and go for two, for two. the zane all gonzalez the rule we should i want to see way more me too like, like the gold state warriors conversion. to shoot the three-pointer three. why not should they move back to the 10-yard line and let there be a three-point conversion yeah. <laughs> see i'm into that too uh i'll go now my, one of my favorite guys in sports conversations yeah. on all these shows is on pace guy he way too oh, prematurely Love takes it. a small sample size at the start of the season, extrapolates that number over the course of an entire year and says he's going to do it. Tuffy Rhodes for the Cubs once hit three home runs on opening day. On pace guy would have said that he was on pace to have 486 right. home runs that year. There are a lot of on pace guys out there this week. Patrick Mahomes is going to have 80, 80 touchdowns because mm-hmm. yeah. he's already had 10 through two games. Ryan Fitzpatrick is on pace to throw for 6,500 yards. <laughs> but there is one guy's record-setting first two weeks that I'm not scoffing at because he looks unstoppable. With 28, yes, 28 receptions through two weeks, New Orleans wide receiver Michael Thomas is on pace for 224 (laughs) catches this season. The all-time single-season record is 143 from Marvin Harrison. Though cracking 200 seems very unlikely, this guy could come close. Let Let me hear it. Drew Brees has targeted Thomas 30 times through two weeks. He has the physical build. He's got the route-running precision. He's got the gifts from God hands that make him just about unstoppable mm-hmm. from three yards or from 80 yards, and he can beat you at the line, and he can beat you deep, and he doesn't drop the football. You add in the other elements, most accurate passer of all time, throwing him the ball, mm. a running back that can do it out of the backfield and keeps defensive coordinators up all night, one of the best play callers in NFL history, and an offensive line that gives the quarterback all day to throw. Add in the new rules that make it really difficult to stop any wide receiver from doing anything. And I believe Michael Thomas has all the ingredients working for a record-breaking season. He has a chase, not for 143, I love it. for 200. I want to see 200 Whoa. catches. Out of, the record's 143. I want to see 200. Who has the all-time record for catches through two weeks? Who? Who? Not Jerry Rice, not Randy Moss, not David Josh Boston. Gordon. Let's go to 1994. In a post-too-legit-to-quit Falcons world, <laughs> ah. show me Andre Bad Moon Ryzen. Two games, and they were nasty. Ryzen caught 14 balls for 193 yards in a week one loss to Detroit. And then he caught 12 balls the following week. 
What makes this all the more amazing is that just four months earlier in June, his girlfriend, the late Lisa Lefty Lopez yeah. of TLC, torched his Atlanta mansion by burning all his sneakers in a whirlpool. Crazy sexy pool. <laughs> Rises. This is the season after this the burn down? The, bur the house burns down in June. And this is he's out with his boys till six wow. in the morning. She burns his house down. Three and months okay. later, he's on pace to break the record. And he was literally on fire. He was on fire, guys. Okay. Rising would go on to finish with 81 catches Rest that year. Left off. But I don't see Thomas slowing down. I mean, Ryzen slowed down. He never had another double-digit game. This guy can break the record. He is on pace to do things that no one has done at the position, and he has all the ingredients working for him. I just want to see him go for it, and I think 200 is not that crazy. Listen, you are on pace guy. I'm on pace guy. I love on pace guy, too. It's so excited. I love this. You just said ingredients, and you, right there you just laid out the recipe of, of why this could be a success. I'm going to add a little season, season and validation. And this is why I love this, because you said they threw the ball to him 30 times. He has 28 catches. How's that possible? The efficiency that he's playing with, his ability to go snatch that ball. And then most importantly, when you're showing those highlights, I didn't notice the catches and the celebrations. I noticed how many different ways he was lined up on that field. He's catching the ball from everywhere, outside, inside, putting him in motion. That right there, that's the biggest recipe to success Jeff, is the simple fact they're doing everything pre-snap that makes them even harder to stop. Jeff George was a great quarterback in his own right with the big arm. Yes, sir. He ain't Drew Brees. Drew Brees mm -hmm. is the most precise quarterback of all time, and he's got the best play caller, mm. not named Sean McVay in the league. So I got a thing now. He's chasing Marvin Harrison and Waterfalls, that's right? It. At the he's same time. I'm I've been thing. told not to. You got to do it, though. Be careful, though. <laughs> you got to creep. You got to creep. That's it. K is absolutely on it. The Rams don't need Legatron, at least... Not yet. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Good Morning Football Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on all our channels and come back tomorrow for some more fun. So from all of us here at GMFB, have a good morning and a great day.